You are listening to the podcast series for Mission to Amish People. Mission to Amish People is a Christian ministry with a threefold purpose of evangelizing and discipling Amish and former Amish, helping Amish people who leave their communities by helping them transition into the English world, and by presenting the ministry to churches nationwide. You can find out more about Mission to Amish People by going to their website at www.mapministry.org. This podcast is entitled Duty and Power of the Church and is part three of three. That power, when I became a born-again child of God, I entered into the family of God. I became part of the church, and now that power is available. The problem is, if I don't know that power is available to me, if I don't understand that power, and I don't even understand the enemy, that enemy is going to come against me like a roaring lion and remind me over and over and over that you really don't have the power that you think you do. And so I just got to go like this. I say, I must not have the power. But I will tell you, church, we have the power. We have the authority to go against the evil one. And you know what? When I hear the roar of Satan, I look at him in my mind. I imagine this little flea roaring at me. He can do nothing to me. He's a nobody. I belong to Jesus. I have the power and the authority and, and everything that came was the package when I became a child of God. You can have all that power and still do nothing. Most of us are right there. Number one, you have to believe that you have that power. If you don't believe it, you don't have it. Or you, you have it, but it's not going to do nothing. It's going to sit there. It's going to do nothing. I believe that we're seeing the power of God more than ever before in the history of, or in a long, long, long time. And as we become more and more persecuted, we're going to need to rely on the power of God rather than the pocketbook. All right, let's keep going here. What does all this mean for the local church in 2015? What does this mean for us, Bethel Baptist Church in Savannah, Ohio? Can I say something? I believe that, first of all, the church must raise up men and women. I don't know if I have this or not. Yeah, there it is. I believe it is the church's responsibility to raise up men and women to join our military. What do you mean by that, Joe? Well, I come from a culture that didn't believe in the military. In fact, my dad was in prison for a year and a half. He just told me a week ago how he went to prison and how they used him and all of that because he refused to go to the Vietnam War. But I believe as Christians, it is our duty to raise up boys and girls and let them know from the very beginning that there's a need for Christian military men and women in military, in, in the forces. I tell you what, if we don't do it, then let me tell you who else will do it. The non-believers. You want believers or non-believers to go to war? If you ask me, I want the believers. They come with power. 
They will bring the enemy, they will bring the Saddam Husseins down. And they will do it right because there's something inside of them, a power and an authority that the unbeliever doesn't have. I would feel so much better if my Christian brother was over there handling the situation than if my unbelieving next door neighbor was over there and didn't have the authority and the power within him. So I think it's the church's job to raise up men and women for the military. You know what else I believe? I believe it is the church's job to run over government. Some, some of you should raise up some of our young children. They're not in here. They're having church back there. But you know what? Why? If, if all these other presidents that we've had in the past if they all grew up in the neighborhoods like our little children do, and they all went to the schools like our little children do, and they were all just like our little children, why couldn't one of our little children grow up and be the president of the United States? And why couldn't, why couldn't, they, why couldn't we as a church also raise up congressmen and women and governors and, and mayors and judges? Why? You know what? God has given us that responsibility. Can I go back and read that? You haven't turned there. But I want, I, I, want to, I want to read this. He says to Adam, and God blessed them, and God, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over. And he goes on. Can you go with me to Jeremiah chapter 1? Jeremiah chapter 1. I just want to say too, I believe it is the job of the church to raise up business owners, supervisors, teachers, community leaders. You know what? Our factories in town should have Christian men and women bursting down the doors for supervisory positions. We should... There should be something about us, just like we talked about in Sunday school. There should be a joy. There should be a confidence. There should be, a, there should be something about us that would cause the business owner to say, man, I don't know what it is about you, but you have something that all the other interviews didn't have. And I want you to take the responsibility to supervise the floor or... Business owners, Zane grows. You're one of them. Look what God is doing through Zane. I told Zane a couple, what was it, two months ago or so. I said, Zane, you know, you'd expect a guy that makes it like Zane did to be the kind of person that would get, you know, I'm a somebody now. Finally, I work for it. I got what I got. I don't see, the, I don't see a bone like that in Zane's body. Not one bone. He gives all the glory to God. There's something so special about that that I can't help but praise God. Debbie, you're right there by his side. But you know what? This church body and the church across America needs to start focusing on integrating into the communities and into the states and into the country and into the world. And we need to penetrate the world with our, the power and authority that has been given to us through Jesus Christ. Jeremiah chapter 1. 
Look at verse number four. I love Jeremiah. He's one of my favorite Old Testament prophets. It says, then the word of the Lord, actually, let's just, yeah, let's read that all. Verse four, then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, oh Lord, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a child. But the Lord said unto me, say not that I'm a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I have commanded you, you shall speak. Then he says, God says, talking to Jeremiah here in verse 8, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, says the Lord. And then the Lord put forth his hand, he touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my own words in your mouth. Okay, now verse 10, this is the key. This is what he had planned for Jeremiah. This is what he has planned for the church, for you and for me. See that I have set this day, I'm sorry, I have this day set thee over the nations and over what? Kingdoms. What is Jeremiah, what is the church to do We've been set over these nations. We've been set over these kingdoms. This is what we're supposed to do, church. To root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. That's our job right there. That's our job. It's very clear that we're not in it by ourselves. I will be with you forever. Amen, amen. Jesus, I will be with you. You're not in it on your own. Go. I'll go with you. Okay? And then lastly, I believe the church must evangelize the world and make more disciples. Can I, can I read, this is in the back of your bulletin, at least some of it, but I want to read this to you. I wrote an article for the Amish Voice a couple months ago, and uh, this is the beginning, my introduction It says, for more than 2,000 years, church, the Lord has used the local church as a vehicle to call tens of thousands of missionaries to the mission field. The Lord Jesus has used the local church as a way for his people to come together in one place and to worship his holy name. He's also used the church. The church is where spiritually gifted teachers and preachers and evangelists and elders and deacons serve the Lord Jesus and his people. The local church is the place where hurting hearts are encouraged, challenged, convicted, and driven to make a difference in our generation. That's the thing I keep thinking. This is my generation. How can I sit and watch TV all night long? How? I can't. I got work to do. I only got one generation. I'm not coming back. And while I'm here, I want to make the biggest impact I can have on this world. In this generation. That should be our, that should be what we, the way we think. In case you have forgotten, or no one has ever told you, let me say the Lord Jesus is madly in love with the local church. And when Jesus is in love with something, I'm in love with it, right? And when I hear God's own family members poke fun at the local church, run her down, call her names, find reasons not to attend, and yes, sometimes even mock her, it breaks my heart, Lord, because I know how much you love the church. The truth is, 
those who find continued fault with the local church and refuse to attend are clearly casting their vote to close the doors of the local church. Listen to me. The local church, we, the more we multiply, the more we come together, the more we can do. Networking. Consider, number seven, the words of God in Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. I'm exhorting you this morning, church. I have had this opportunity to stand here for the next 40 minutes and exhort you and remind all of us that we got to press on. What if you stayed at home? What if you stayed at home and you didn't hear this? I I will tell you, not because I'm one bit more special than you, but God spoke clearly through me as I put this together. I have no doubt in my mind. And he wanted you to hear it. Number eight, like you, I'm very much aware that the local church is very... Some are dead, others are alive and thriving. Some are mostly inward focused, while others are both inward and outward focused. Some are filled with love and generosity, while others are struggling with bitterness and getting along. The truth is, not one local church has it all together. And if you ever find one, please don't join it. Because if you do, you will ruin it, I promise you, just like I would. It's the truth. Amen. God will one day remove Satan and his kingdoms from the earth forever. And that's how I want to end. I would like for us to go to Revelation. It will be the last verse we look at. While you're turning to Revelation chapter 20, I just want to say that when Jesus comes back, his second coming... Zechariah chapter 13 verse 1 and 2 says that he will bind all evil spirits. Also says he will cast out all the idols of the land. He's going to clean it up. I can't imagine what that would be like, but I love the thought. No opposition. Get rid of the idols. Get rid of the evil spirits. Wow. Be like the Garden of Eden, right? Uh, B, he will then usher in the thousand-year reign, sometimes referred to as the millennium. The kingdom he originally wanted to establish for Adam. And then we get to Revelations chapter... uh, Revelation. I'm sorry, did I tell you verse 20? I'm sorry, go, go to 11. The right book, the wrong chapter. Revelation chapter 11. Can you do that? that? That will be our last scripture. Now... While you're turning to chapter 11, I just want to tell you that according to Revelation chapter 20, verse 1 through 10, Satan will be bound in the bottomless pit during this 1,000-year reign, during this time of almost garden into Eden. After that, God will rain down fire from heaven, and he will destroy everything and rebuild a new heaven and a new earth. Satan, he will, it will consume all of Satan and his dominions, confining them forever in the lake of fire and brimstone. And then we get to Revelation 11, verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, 
and he shall reign forever and ever. All right. I want to show you what's behind the curtain, church. I want to sh- are you ready? We know it, but I was going through my PowerPoint and I saw this, whatever you call them, animation thing. I thought, that's perfect. This is for us, church. Look, okay. Look right here. Look right here. The best is yet to come. That's what I got from all of this. It's yet to come. We're not there yet, but we're on our way. We're closer than we've ever been. And I just want to say don't give up. Remember the authority. Remember the power that we have as a church. Let's get busy, okay? Let's stand to our feet. Let's all stand to our feet. Uh, You don't have to bow your head for this very moment. I just want to speak to you just for a moment. You can stand to your feet. In order for you to belong to the church, Jesus' church, you have to be born into it. Just like you were born into your earthly family. And before you were born into your earthly family, you couldn't smell, you couldn't taste, you couldn't hear, you couldn't talk. You can, five senses, you couldn't do those things. Let me tell you, if you haven't, in order for you to experience a sixth sense, the spiritual sense, In order for God to speak to you, in order for you to belong to the body of Christ, in order for you to go to heaven, you have to know Jesus Christ. Not with your head only, but the Bible says with your heart. You have to be born again. You have to be born into the family of God. If you have not been born of God, I don't want you to leave without knowing that with assurance. So while we sing, I'm going to give you an opportunity that if you've not been born of God, if you've not been saved, I want you to come down here, right? I'll stand down here. I'll talk to you. I'll show you from the Bible how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. You have to worry about it. Many of us have already done it. We've gotten saved. Our sins have been forgiven. And you can have all of that and more if you will just come and talk with me while we sing this song. Thank you for listening to this podcast series. Check out Mission to Amish People online at www.mapministry.org or keep up to date with us on Facebook and Google+. Thank you again and have a blessed day.